morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, February 9th. Wow, there's a bit of an echo on this Tuesday, February 9th, 2016 meeting of the Finance Committee of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority. My name is Eric Marr, the chair. To my right is Vice Chair um, London Breed. Um, and to my left is Supervisor and Commissioner Norman Yee. Um, our clerk is Mr. Steve Stamos, and we're being broadcast today by Leo Diasis and Charles Kremenak. Um, Mr. Stamos, are there any announcements? Uh, there are no announcements. Okay. So let's call the roll call. All right. Item one, roll call. Commissioner Breed? Here. Breed present. Commissioner Campos? Campos absent. Commissioner Kim? Kim absent. Commissioner Marr? Here. Marr present. Commissioner Yee? Ye present, we have quorum. And I forgot to say, happy year of the monkey, everyone. Um, Mr. Samos, please call the next item. Uh, consent calendar, items two to three comprise the consent calendar. These items are considered routine. Staff is not planning to present on these items, but are prepared to present if desired. If a member objects, any of the consent items may be removed and considered separately. Thank you. So I see no comments. Let's open up for public comment. Anyone want to talk about the minutes? Seeing none, public comment closed. Is there a motion to approve the minutes? I, um, I have a question. Sorry. No. Oh. Go ahead. I wasn't at the last meeting, so I really need to recuse myself from voting on the minutes. Okay. So it looks like we don't have and, a quorum to approve the minutes. And same here. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, we can continue. Um, so that's until we achieve a quorum. Let's go to the next item, number okay. three. Item four, state and federal legislative update. This is an action item. Or were we gonna go to item oh, three? That's part of the consent calendar. Okay, okay. Mr. Watts. Good morning, Commissioner Marr and commissioners. Uh, by way of introduction, if you haven't seen me before, my name is Mark Watts. I am your representative in Sacramento and I've enjoyed the work. You'll notice on your matrix uh, that there's a lot of uh, what I call temporary bills here. This is the time of the year when bills that uh, failed passage in their house of origin for one reason or another are then swept away. So we're rec recommending a whole host of bills to be deleted from the matrix either because they exceeded the year uh, deadline or they were vetoed or chaptered. And you'll see at the next month a whole new slate of, of, of legislation. But for today I have five bills I'm gonna draw to your attention. Uh, our six bills, five of which were rec the staff is recommending a support position, and uh, what I've customarily done, if it's uh, uh, okay to proceed this way, is tell you the build number, tell you the matrix page it's on in case you want to tr uh, take a look at it, and then cover it briefly and then move on. So if that's acceptable, I'll proceed. Yes. So the first measure um, is AB 1591. This is one of three major transportation finance proposals. Um, this one uh, was introduced in 2016, um, and it generates $7.3 billion uh, a year annually. It's the largest by far of the, th of the uh, three proposals that are circulating. It does, in addition to uh, raising gas taxes and diesel fuel taxes and registration fees, also has significant commitments of cap and trade for transit um, and, and uh, for transit projects that are eligible for uh, cap and trade revenues. And that's, I'm sorry, that's on page 18 of your matrix. 
the funding would be roughly split 50-50, the, the, the tax revenue funding between the state and uh, local governments for disbursement for road repairs and rehabilitation. Um, I'll continue on if you'd like to come back for questions, or I could stop at this point. Um, and, Mr. Watch, you also have it on another page side-by-side -side with the governor's budget and SBX 1.12. Right. So that's a sep it's a it's the same bill but side by side with a couple others. Correct. Okay. Uh, the second measure staff is recommending support for is by Assemblymember Chu. It's AB fifteen seventy four, also on page eighteen, and this bill uh, deals with bus safety inspections. Uh, establishes criteria and requires DMV to notify the Public Utilities Commission. When, they, when a bus company first registers a vehicle, that's not happening yet, so this steps in and takes, uh, takes a, uh, or addresses that gap in, in notification. Uh, and then if there's uh, an ultimate inspection uh, and not a satisfactory rating, then the uh, bus is prohibited from being used by that company. Um, the next measure is a special session bill uh, ABX1, that's our, uh, our, our, our framing for special session. Uh, special session one is X1. Number 18 is found on page 25 of the matrix. Um, this bill by Mr. Linder um, would return state truck weight fees that are collected and used to offset um, transportation general obligation bond debt service. It amounts to about a billion dollars a year, and this is a proposal to return those truck weight fees back to transportation purposes where they have been uh, used for years and years and years. It does have a potential impact on the state general fund because the general fund would still have the obligation to make debt service payments. So that's the, um, the fiscal and policy tension is between uh, bringing the revenues back Ask oh, uh, Commissioner Breed. Um, so why does it say we're talking about ABX 118? Correct. So why does it say recommend support if that, there's bond debt to be still paid? That was uh, consistent with where the similar bills had uh, been put forth last year. So they'd and have to find a new source of revenue to pay the bond debt? Correct. Thank you for the clarity. And on page 34 of your bill, the next uh, of your matrix, the next measure is SPA 12 by Senator Hill. This is a, uh, a little more sweeping overhaul of uh, tour bus safety. I'm sorry, um, I, I missed that. What page again? That's on page 34. It establishes a, a higher priority for inspections for new buses at companies that have a record of uh, ill compliance with prior under prior inspections. So it kind of puts the new buses coming into those companies at the top of the list, and it adjusts the fee setting authority to be more in line with uh, um, the costs. Um, I think there's been a feeling that the fee setting had been at a, le a level that's a little bit too low. So they've uh, they're taking a 
an attempt at providing more revenue for the inspection program to accommodate the higher priority. And that's a, a suggested support. The uh, next measure is the last measure we're, that's being recommended for support consideration is found on page 35. This is by uh, Senator Bell, SB 824. Um, there, is, there are several uh, ongoing uh, cap-and-trade funded programs that fund rail and transit and other programs. This is the low-carbon transportation uh, program. Uh, it's essentially a formula program that distributes cap-and-trade funding to transit agencies on a formula basis that already exists in law and is used to fund projects that are new efforts at reducing greenhouse gas reduction. In other words, uh, an example would be a new line put into service that didn't exist before but for the availability of this money, and so that would be an eligible project. Uh, there are some wrinkles in how that was drafted originally. There are, uh, now that we've had one year of experience at, in the field with transit operators um, dealing with how the money's distributed, the timing, and, 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 the, and, and, the, and, and other small elements of the program are being addressed in this measure. It's not in its final form yet, but it's in a form that makes some sense to most transit agencies in the state, and consequently, uh, a, a support recommendation is being made. Um, one measure that we're looking at, uh, oppose, has a history from uh, carrying over from policies this committee took last year. That's on page 17, AB 1550, by Assemblymember Gomez. Uh, while it increases the level of statutorily required benefit to disadvantaged communities in the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund Program, the Cap-and-Trade Program, from 10 to 25 percent. Um, setting aside whether that move is uh, something uh, worthy of support at this point in time, the issue for the Bay Area is that in the first round of distribution of funds for programs that included a requirement for disadvantaged communities, there was a feeling in this region that uh, many of the, uh, the way the state defined disadvantaged communities and refined them in a map uh, worked to the uh, region's disadvantage. So there's an effort that's been led by MTC and others to uh, address that definition and how that all applies. So until that's fixed, um, the, the, the region has typically taken an opposed position trying to force uh, a change in how the disadvantaged communities is defined. Simple as that. Actually, Mr. Watts, I just wanted to give my two cents that if it helps East L.A. and low-income communities of color throughout the state, to me, opposing something that may be helpful with cleaning the air for lower-income communities, even though it's not helping us is the principled thing to do, and I would prefer if we not take an opposition position but maybe be more neutral but still work towards defining uh, communities of concern or whatever we call them more carefully so that our the Bay Area's um, low-income communities are included. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, something like uh, watch, note concern, or express concerns and convey with a letter what we're trying to fight for, but it's not an opposition position. Okay. And with that, I draw my presentation on the new bills to a close. I would just give a highlight that 
the due date for bills to be introduced is at the end of this month, so we've got a little more than two weeks remaining, and I think uh, probably several hundreds of bills will be introduced between now and then, so we'll be going through them trying to pull out the ones of highest visibility and priority. Any questions, colleagues? Thank you. And so you were going to go through the attachment one afterwards? or So that, that's the side-by-side -side governor's budget, AB 1591, Frazier, and SB right. X1-1. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Hi, uh, Amber Cobb with the Transportation Authority. So this is just really quickly, I think uh, we were requested to provide this at the last meeting. Uh, looking at the three proposals moving forward, uh, the Assembly proposal, the Senate proposal, and the Governor's proposal. Um, the, uh, as Mark Watts said, the Assembly proposal, uh, proposal uh, is far and away the largest of the three. Um, at $7 billion, the SBX11 is uh, a little over $4 billion, and then the governor's budget is, uh, is right that? around 3 uh, what, what page are you on? 76. Sorry, yeah, page 76. Um, so the, um, let's see. Uh, so the governor's budget and the Assembly 1591 are the two that actually does commit funding for transit. The SBX1 is more focused on uh, highway, highway maintenance and local streets and roads. So uh, I think at this point we're definitely uh, most supportive, I believe, of AB 1591, but any new revenue would be for transportation would be um, something that we'd love to see. So we're working closely uh, at the state level and with MTC and the other uh, congestion management agencies to advance these, hopefully including transit and funding for walking and biking. Um, and I think maybe Mark could add a little bit more about the political context, but we're also getting a sense that it is the closer we get to November, the bigger lift it is politically to try to get uh, any of these new revenues passed with the two-thirds vote. Okay. And just um, if I can follow up on uh, Commissioner Breed's question from earlier regarding the bond uh, debt service, uh, these, it's my understanding that this is debt service on a general obligation bonds that were approved by the public. So the intent was always that it would be paid off by the general fund, um, but they are redirecting kind of what traditionally would be transportation revenues to the debt service, um, and this would just uh, shift it back. And other, other uses typically do... Uh, like such as schools, the debt service does come out of the general fund. So I, I, I think I understand understood it that way mm -hmm. in yeah. terms of the expectation is that the um, payment of the debt service would come from the general fund, and it's my understanding that there um, are concerns with our state budget and a possible major deficit, and I don't understand why a decision like this would be made if there's no clear understanding of where we're going to be at with the budget as a whole. So right. uh, I guess, why are we doing this? What is this about? It just doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, I, I think the the intent behind it was to acknowledge the huge uh, problem uh, and deficit in transportation funding, but it's definitely a policy call. And if, if it's something that you don't feel comfortable until you have more information, you can definitely recommend um, revising the position. It just, it just seems yeah. irresponsible. Okay. 
So I think that's my concern, the fact that it's being recommended to be supported, but there's no clear way to pay for um, the debt service. Yeah. And so this was the anticipated revenue for that particular service, and why are we changing it without clearly making sure that we have a pipeline to cover it, especially with a proposed deficit in our state budget. So yeah. I, I just think it's irresponsible from my perspective based on the information I have. Yeah, definitely understand that. Thanks. Thank you. Actually, I am wondering if Mr. Watts could explain the political context of the governor versus Frazier versus Bell um, yeah, proposals. I'd, I'd be happy to. Uh, kind of a scene setting um, for you because the, I'll go about it this way. The legislature started a special session on transportation last summer, had full set of hearings in the fall. Um, Mr. Bell, who is one of the co-chairs, along with uh, Assemblymember Jimmy Gomez from L.A., of the conference committee that was established, uh, moved was able to move his bill, SPX1, which is listed on there uh, on your chart, from the Transportation Committee and is pending uh, hearing in the Appropriations Special Committee, Special Session Committee. Um, and he is drafting amendments to add significant um, new funding for transit and go beyond just a state rehab and state and, and local road program, but also supplementing um, uh, the cap-and-trade programs and other programs with new transit funding. So that's due to come out any day. Technically, he would be able to amend the bill. The special session is, uh, one, of the, is one of those parliamentary techniques that the legislature can use for swift action. So I would expect once we see his, his language, they would conduct a special session appropriations committee and move forward. In contrast, the governor's bill and as well Mr. Frazier's bill are on a little slightly longer track because Mr. Frazier's bill is introduced in regular session. It is, uh, you know, just at, at the point now where it's clearing its first 30-day quiet period and not likely to be set for a committee hearing until sometime in March if, you know, at that point in time um, the leadership gives them a go-ahead. In contrast, the governor's proposal is a budget trailer bill. And we haven't seen a major revenue package like this attempted through a budget before. But uh, there's two ways. Th th we're at a fork in the road on that. It could go pretty quickly. Um, they could hold bu a budget subcommittee hearings on the entirety of the concept and move ahead. Or they could uh, put it into a more of a routine budget process where pieces of it are heard in different budget subcommittees and then it comes back together after the May revise. So it's a little hard to say how this is going to go, but Mr. I think the big news is we're all waiting for Mr. or Senator Bell's amendments to see if they fulfill what we're all hoping for. Thank you. If that helps? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I see no questions. Let's open this up for public comment. Is there anyone from the public that would like to speak? Mr. Plantold. I'm Bob Plantold. I'm one of several people here to urge you to override the staff recommendation on two bills, AB1641 and ABX125. Staff is recommending watch. We think it's highly inappropriate to I'm do sorry, that. can you repeat that? AB1641 and ABX125, both by the same author, an Orange County Assembly member. 
they essentially would say it's open season for shuttles to operate in transit bus systems. It may sound okay, but you've got to think that they're small bus companies, whether in Santa Cruz and Scotts Valley is a tech hub as well. Even Motherlode County's transit systems have special commuter runs into Sacramento. Smaller transit companies wouldn't have the power or ability as San Francisco to negotiate. Right now, the pilot program that San Francisco had just ended. There's another program in place that may be modified. I think there ought to be some learning provided to other transit agencies as well as the legislature. Lessons learned, issues to be resolved that would be written into any future legislation about shuttles and bus stops. I think it better to say oppose now, otherwise you give a relatively free or blank check to these shuttle companies. Uh, again, think not just of San Francisco, but of the smaller transit systems. I'll cite San, Santa Cruz transportation or the Motherlode counties, even Foothill transportation in the San Bernardino and uh, Riverside County suburbs. They're not able to withstand the pressure. This is something you ought to consider. In addition, since CPUC would be licensing these buses, you have to take into account the neglectful under-responsiveness as indicated by Assemblymember Chu's legislation on safety. CPUC is not somebody you want guarding the safety of the passengers, especially it's been under-responsive to people with disabilities. So I'm saying again, watch is not appropriate, it's opposed. You'll hear from another member about the multiplicity of usages of transit stops and why this should be opposed. Thank you. Next speaker, Ms. Vaughn. Yeah, I am um, reiterating what uh, Bob Plantle just said, Sue Vaughn. Um, I'm going to urge you to oppose the positions of watch for AB 1641 and AB X1-25. Um, these would both amend the vehicle code to permit private carriers to operate in public bus stops. So we know now that private carriers and public bus stops obstruct access to public buses for seniors and people with disabilities, slow down muni, contributing to citywide economic losses. And um, the evidence also indicates that the availability of the tech shuttle buses in particular um, nearby drives up housing prices, evictions, and displacements. Um, with the anticipated expansion of Silicon Valley tech companies, all these problems could be exacerbated. Apple alone plans to increase its Bay Area employment, em, employment numbers by 27,900 in coming years. It's unknown what the housing plan is for these new employees, but currently living in San Francisco and getting free transportation to the Silicon Valley companies is offered as a job perk. Um, if these bill, bills now being discussed are passed, there could potentially uh, be a lot more money. Uh, it, there are other bills that have been discussed um, uh, about raising, uh, generating revenue for public transportation. Um, and if those bills are passed, there could potentially be a lot of money to expand local and regional public transportation. And that's what we need, local and regional public transportation accessible to everybody. Um, and additionally, these two bills give no leverage to disability and low-income uh, communities to advocate for their needs. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. 
Edward Mason, I, the, as the bill is currently written, it really transfers the public space to private use. And the unintended approval is really what happens between the stops. You've got wide turns from the buses that obstruct opposing traffic and delay. Engine uh, and air conditioning noise are, especially on steep hills, are uh, environmentally degradating to the neighborhoods. You have muni delays because they're jockeying for positions. Fuel consumption, half of it is really wasted because the buses return for another trip. So last year, I estimate that we're over a million point two gallons of, ga of fuel, diesel, that was used, and half of that was really wasted. The bus zone safety, when you have to board in the street, especially now that I'm a senior, uh, fortunately I'm well-labeled, but for the disabled, it's even more of a problem, and I look to the future because if I'm out there with a cane, I don't want to be boarding in the street. And also, uh, the bus operates, uh, you've, there's no legislation in here that prevents the buses from operating without a license. We had SFO Airporter last month for the entire month operate without a, license, a California license plate and without decals in the muni stops. Currently at 24th and uh, Church today, there was a Bauer bus with no decals on it, a brand new bus, but no decals. Recommend that a regional express system uh, be set up for everyone to efficiently uh, uh, use it and for efficient use of uh, consumption of fuel. Uh, so I pr currently, as it's written, I recommend that this not be approved. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to speak? Seeing that public comment is closed. Could we get some response from Ms. Crabb? Hi, Amber Crabb with the Transportation Authority. So just to give a little background on the staff recommendation, um, we understand that the policy discussion is happening uh, in other venues within the city. And just for clarification, the bill would not issue a blanket authorization uh, for shuttles to use transit operators. It would simply allow locals to make that decision. So we felt, um, given the policy discussion that was going on, um, local control was uh, something that we could take a watch position on. But, of course, it's up to you to amend uh, if you desire. Okay. It's, it seems like it's going against the California Vehicle Code, which is pretty clear, it seems. And, but anyway, okay, so thank you. So, colleagues, we've had a couple of recommendations from the public speakers. Um, are there any motions on any of these items? So the... Suggestion was um, that the Orange County author, Alan Travis, from District 72, these two items, AB 1641 and also ABX 125, instead of a new recommend watch, um, a recommendation was made to oppose. Thoughts, Supervisor Campos? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the presentation. Um, I wanted to just reference my thoughts on AB 1641 and AB X1-25. Um, you know, given sort of what we have gone through in San Francisco, uh, I am very worried about the state uh, uh, putting this forward. I think this really takes local control away. Uh, and I think that what we have seen uh, with our own program here is that, you know, there are many benefits to this, and, and, and I'm happy that uh, the program is likely to continue here in San Francisco. I think that's a, that's a good outcome. But 
there clearly mitigations uh, that are needed uh, on so many different levels, whether it's congestion uh, in terms of the number of stops in a given jurisdiction, whether it's uh, environmental impacts that, that may occur, uh, to what they actually pay for the use of uh, public uh, uh, stops. Uh, two, as we see here in San Francisco, the potential impact on housing and displacement. So I, I think that uh, I, would, I would make a motion to, to uh, oppose AB 1641 and AB X1-25 uh, in, its, in their current form. Uh, because I do think that they take away local control. Uh, and I don't see it as opposing uh, shuttles. I think that, you know, the fact that is that we are supporting them here. But I think the way that this is being done, uh, it actually is harmful to local jurisdictions. And I think that each jurisdiction has to figure out for itself what makes sense. And I think this takes that away. Second. So it's been seconded. Okay. Any other comments? So for the full package, this is an action item. So there's a motion on pulling, changing those two items. Can we have a roll call on that? So yes. it's been a motion that we take a opposed position on AB 1641 and AB X125. Okay. okay. On the motion to oppose those two bills, um, Commissioner Breed? Aye. Breed, aye. Commissioner Campos? Yeah, aye. Campos, aye. Commissioner Kim? Kim, aye. Commissioner Marr? Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Yee? Aye. Yee, aye. The amendment to the Thank item you. passes. And now on the full um, legislative uh, recommendation. Actually, I have a recommendation. Uh, um, I have a recommendation that we um, oppose ABX118. I think, um, as I said before, um, we are, this measure would seek to return uh, the return of truck weight fees to state highway rehabilitation purposes, which would be great if we paid our bill. And the source of revenue from this fee is actually used to pay the bond debt. And I just don't understand why this would be requested of us if we haven't finished paying the bill in the first place. And then, again, as I said before, um, we have a proposed budget deficit for the state of California. And so here we go, adding an additional expense to that, and there is no need to do that. So if that were not the case or if the bond debt was paid off, then that would be a different story. But I think that we should oppose this until the bond debt is paid off with the revenue that was anticipated to pay it off in the first place. So I'd like to make a motion to oppose ABX 118 um, by this board. So it's been seconded. Okay. Second. So let's, let's take, with, if there's no comments, let's take a roll call on the motion by Supervisor Breed. Uh, we take public comment on oh. the amendment. So let's, is there any public comment? Okay, there's none. Okay. So roll call. We do that same house, same call. Okay, can we do the same house, same call? Yes, thank you. And now on the full recommendations from our legislative staff. Can we take everything, same house, same call? Thank As amended, yes. Thank you. Thank you. So now let me just call us back to the consent calendar. Um, and so it's the minutes and the internal accounting and investment report. 
we let's open this up for public comment. Is there anyone from the public that would like to speak? Seeing none, public comments closed. Um, can we have a roll call on the consent calendar? Uh, we can do that same house, same call if you like. Or, um, there are a couple of right. abstentions. Right. On the consent calendar, Commissioner Breed. Um, actually, I'd like to abstain. Breed abstain. Commissioner Campos? Aye. Campos, aye. Commissioner Kim? Kim, aye. Commissioner Mar? Aye. Mar, aye. Commissioner Yi? Aye. Yi, aye. The consent calendar is approved. Thank you. Mr. Samos, um, I guess we're on item number five now. Yes. Okay. Item five, update on the California Road Charge Pilot Program. This is an information item. Hello, my name is Michelle Beaulieu. I'm a transportation planner in policy and programming at the TA. Um, and I'm here to give you an update on the California Road Charge Pilot Program. Um, so I'd like to start by going over the legislation that set up this program and discuss a little bit about how transportation projects are currently funded at the state level. Um, and then I'll go into a discussion of the Road Use Charge Technical Advisory Committee and their recommendations for the pilot program and where we'll be going next. That is easier, thank you. Um, so in 2014, at the recommendation of the California State Transportation Agency, the legislature passed a bill that um, authorized the implementation of a pilot program by January 1st of 2017 to test the efficacy of a road use charge to replace the current gas tax um, in funding transportation projects in California. They also established a road use charge technical advisory committee um, that would provide recommendations on what the pilot program would look like. Um, so currently, the gas tax is the major funding mechanism for transportation projects, both at the state and federal level. Um, it was set up as a proxy for road use, the idea being that the more that you drive on the streets, the more gas tax that you're paying because the more gas that you're purchasing. Um, however, the gas tax has been decreasing in recent years due to um, improvements in fuel efficiency in vehicles and the increase in number of hybrid and electric vehicles on the road. Um, and so the gas, the, the road use charge was recommended for study as a replacement to this user fee for transportation projects. Um, it would charge a fee per mile as opposed to per gallon as the gas, is, gas tax is currently collected. Um, and this is made possible in part due to a number of, of technology advancements that we've seen in recent years. Some of you may be familiar with something like Strava, um, which is already tracking mileage that people are traveling just via bike or by running. Um, so in this system, fuel-efficient vehicles would be paying the same fee per mile as older, less efficient vehicles. Um, so the road use charge is, is seen as more equitable due to the fact that it charges every user the same amount for the amount that they're traveling, and it really gets you closer to a true user fee by calculating how much you're driving um, and charging you based on that. Um, right now, they're, what they're studying is how the road use charge would be able to uh, replace the gas tax, but there is a potential in the future for it to be an additional fee rather than a one-for-one -one replacement. Um, and this would also be more similar to the way that we charge for utilities in other sectors. 
So the Road Charge Technical Advisory Committee was comprised of industry experts and leaders across the state, and they met for 12 months um, and in December of 2015 published their recommendation report um, that provided recommendations both for the design of the pilot program and for how it would be evaluated. Um, the TAC discussed many items that really focused on creating a program that would efficiently replace the gas tax, um, but they also discussed issues of equity, as I've already brought up, um, privacy and data security, um, and they were also charged with doing public outreach. So they did a statewide survey and also held focus groups across the state, um, and a lot was learned from these focus groups. For example, um, in general, public education about this is going to be very important because there's both a misunderstanding today about how transportation projects are funded and what our gas tax goes to, um, but also a lot of confusion over what a road use charge is in general. Um, they also discovered a lot about what people's preferences are and kind of the, the values that they hold behind a user fee. In general, people thought that paying for what you use, a user fee was deemed fair, but fairness, again, had a lot of different meanings for people, some who thought that um, efficient vehicles should be able to pay less because that would be fair, um, and some who thought that charging more per mile when you have to drive a long distance to your job, that would be unfair. Um, so these, these are questions that will have to be kept in mind throughout the pilot program and in designing any potential future permanent program. So in terms of the Technical Advisory Committee's recommendations for the actual pilot program, um, their first recommendation was that uh, they achieve 5,000 participants in the pilot, pilot program statewide. And they would like to see a broad cross-section that is representative of the fleet that's on California's roads today. Um, and you can see on this chart here that they're looking for a diversity in vehicle type as well in geography. So commercial vehicles, vehicles owned by private individuals, um, and seeing them spread out in the north, central, and southern regions of the state. Um, choice and security. The TAC recommended that there be a choice in commercial and state account managers. So for example, Oregon has a program in place right now and they have a choice of three different account managers, one of which is uh, state run and two of which are commercial. Um, one for example is Verizon. Um, so the state would like to replicate a choice in account managers in this pilot program. Um, and they would also like to see a choice in mileage reporting methods. Um, and the chart below kind of demonstrates what the different bases for these fee would be um, from time to distance. And then the different reporting methods are manual or automated. So on one end, you might have a time permit where you'd pay for an unlimited amount of driving in terms of miles over the course of a week, a month, or a year, um, where you're not reporting anything about the amount that you're actually driving or where you're driving. So it really preserves the privacy concerns that many citizens have. Um, but on the other end, you'd have an automated distance-based reporting method that includes rough geographic data. Um, and so this is something that you might use if you frequently drive to another state um, and the system would automatically track both the distance that you're driving and whether or not you're in California and should be paying California's road use fee. Or if you're on private roads um, or um, other, other exempt geographies. Um, in terms of choice and security, there's also a number of 
privacy and data security recommendations, including making sure that the system has authorization and authentication when you log in, that once your data is in the system, it's encrypted, um, and there are strong data security measures in place, and then that they're only collecting the amount of data that they need to collect the appropriate fee, and that that data is then destroyed after a certain period of time. The Technical Advisory Committee's recommendations for evaluation fall into these eight broad categories and have a total of 50 criteria, which I'm not going to go over right now, but um, again, the meat of this program is determining whether this is a feasible replacement for the gas tax that will um, bring in revenues um, in, a, in a way that better reflects the driving that is happening in California. Um, but also the evaluation will look at things like privacy, data security, um, and equity, because there may be some items that are not captured in the, pro in the pilot program, but that are important to take into consideration should there be a permanent program put in place, um, such as the difference between paying uh, a fee to the government every time you stop at the pump versus once a month or once a year. So th as I said, these recommendations were released in December of 2015. And the pilot program is slated to begin July 1st of this year. Um, it will be a nine-month pilot program with reports out to the CTC and legislature by June 30th of 2017. And a recommendation will be folded into the annual report that will go to the legislature as to the feasibility of a road use charge replacing the gas tax by the end of 2017. Um, they are actively seeking volunteers for the pilot program right now. They will likely need 15,000 people to sign up in order to get to their 5,000 volunteer goal. Um, so the website where you can sign up is listed on the slide here. It is www.californiaroadchargepilot.com. Um, and I encourage everyone who's interested in signing up for the pilot program. Um, and with that, if there are any questions, I'm happy to... Uh, Commissioner Kim. Um, I just had one question, which is, how does this impact um, drivers' incentives to do hybrids and electric cars if, you know, if the tax is on the number of miles driven and not on the amount of gas consumed? In some ways, it seems like it might discourage better behavior in terms of how people drive if they are driving. Mm -hmm. Um, the recommendation from the TAC is ta this, the Technical Advisory Committee is to incentivize the purchase of fuel-efficient vehicles at the time of purchase rather than as an ongoing subsidy, if you will. Um, and some might say that the biggest incentive is the fact that they don't have to pay for gas, so um, they'll, ha they'll have just lower lower bills throughout the year. Um, and so. Okay. But isn't there a concern, though, that this is in some ways penalizing those that are, you know, being more environmental in their driving behavior. I think the thing to keep in mind is that the road, the, the gas tax was not set up as a penalty on drivers who are purchasing large amounts of gasoline, but instead was intended to be a proxy for a road use fee. Um, that at the time it was set up made sense because every vehicle was using gasoline. Um, those vehicles are incurring wear on the streets today and are not paying anything into the system to maintain it. Um, and so this is an attempt to return to a, a fair um, user fee on all the vehicles that are using the roads. I, you know, I understand that. I'm just not sure if I agree with that policy premise. Um, I, I get that we want people to pay for the road usage that they 
use, but I also think that, you know, that the gas tax is to actually penalize certain types of behavior and that it's there to fix inefficiencies in the market. And one of those inefficiencies is people's dependence on gas and oil. And so a tax can be both. Um, one, it can be there to correct inefficiencies. Um, two, it can be there to actually, you know, draw back um, people's usage of roads. So I understand both premise. I'm just not sure that I would land on the side of road usage versus penalizing the inefficiency in the market. Commissioner Kim Tilly Chang, Executive Director, through the chair. I really appreciate your line of questioning. Um, I think it's, it's a complex topic because most people see it as a simple fee and view it as a, as, you know, a way to how we pay for our roads, and they actually think it covers our road maintenance. Um, it, it doesn't, and I think it's useful to think of the charge as potentially covering three, actually three different purposes. One would be the infrastructure itself, the road infrastructure um, as a way to pay for, as you go for the roads and the, the maintenance of roads and bridges and highways. The second would be this question of how do we want to encourage people from an environmental standpoint um, to, to travel? So the environmental profile, environmental policy is actually what's driving in London, um, the city of London, to create a low carbon zone. Uh, they've gone beyond their congestion charge to, in fact, modify their policy to really focus on low carbon emissions. Um, the third area would be congestion management and congestion policy. So again, a charge or a fee can reflect all three of these things, how we wish to pay for our infrastructure, our environmental policy, and the profile of vehicle fleet uh, mix that we would w want to encourage or discourage, as well as the congestion on our roads when we want to encourage people to travel, not travel, you know, give um, an HOV discount for high occupancy vehicles and carpools or not. One of the more controversial questions that does continue in this area is, for example, whether we should give low emission vehicles, electric vehicles, access to the carpool lanes in California because those carpool lanes are starting to get full and degrade the performance of those lanes. So there you have the collision of um, environmental policy with potentially uh, mobility policy. So I think that this is a very important area where a fee can be interpreted and, in fact, can be used for multiple purposes. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm definitely open to the conversation and being convinced. I just, you know, on, on first blush, I, I just don't know if I agree with moving towards that type of taxation, but I, I'm definitely open to, to the thoughts. I know this is an informational item, but I just want to get those thoughts out there. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I was just going to thank Michelle for the slides, too. I... I get the picture with the sinkholes and cars in it, but slide number six talking about equity um, as a driving, sorry for the pun, a driving reason for um, this charge and really reducing the number of um, vehicles on the road or vehicle miles traveled. Um, I also wanted to say that my guess is that people that can afford an electric vehicle and at times hybrids have a little bit higher income than people that may still be driving the gas guzzlers um, and hopefully incentivizing the purchasing of vehicles still can be done. But this makes sense to me. But I had to wrap my head around it by looking even at the slide of the, um, the gas taxes losing value and how this makes sense. Um, I'm curious how the technology will work as the pilot program moves forward. And I'm really appreciative of um, Mr. Desaulnier for putting this forward, but I think it, it makes a lot of sense for the future of um, improving the roads and streets in, in the state of California. Any other comments, colleagues? So thank you for the um, update. Thank you. Okay. 
Uh, Mr. Stamos, next item. Uh, we'll take public comment on item five. Is there any public comment on item five? All right. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Thank you so much for the presentation. Um, next item. Item six, introduction of new items. This is an information item. So there's no comments. Let's open this up for public comment. Anyone from the public like to speak? Public comment closed. Um, next item, Mr. Stamos. Item seven, general public comment. Good morning. True foundation of a heavenly origin means departing from a disordered mind and traffic force back to clarity and security by uplifting from mediocre onto mighty mind of origin wisdom. One can join the heavenly glory of creation development in mighty talents of works, meeting the great demand of methodology, having of eternal consolidated cultivation of foundation. After achievement of true self-nature and practices, one move on to open preaching for the worldly people and having loving passion in closeness to the people, establishing virtue of benevolence, meaningful way, good manners, wisdom, and trust. One can peace with time in making beneficial contribution in good works along true destiny for oneself on improvement in virtue of well-cultivated career that is not only for the sake of personal consideration nor just for personal security, but it's for the concern of universal well-being for all in providing worthy pitching, offering mercy rescue, and giving help to the needy so we can turn all endangered conditions back to forever security or peace of wellness for the good of the nation and universe. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to speak? Um, public comments closed. Mr. Stamos, is there any other business before us? Uh, item 8, adjournment. Thank you. Meeting adjourned. Thank you, everyone.